Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. I am Jessica, your host from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and this is the show that teaches you the simple and sustainable methods you need to grow your own garden. Even though, as you look out your window, chances are it is cold, possibly rainy, slightly dark, and with a shorter overall day, there are still a few things to do in the garden, which is what we're going to chat about today. It's November. My goodness, the year is almost over. I'm sure you're hearing that everywhere now. And uh, so join me for this episode today, episode 29 of What to Do This Month in Your Garden. Let's get to it. Alrighty, so it is a slow and rainy month already here in the Pacific Northwest. If you're new to the show, I am in Oregon in zone 8AB, right in between those two little AB levels. And we had our first frost on October 28th, which killed off the vast majority of my flowers. And fortunately, all my fall garden and winter crops are totally fine. The ones that are undercover are great. And even the ones that I have outside of our hoop house are doing just fine, including happily enough, a lot of my cool flowers that I planted a couple of months ago, like nigella and scabiosa and ami. And I have some bachelor buttons that are doing really well. So everything is still going for the ones that I planted for overwintering. But my dahlias are done. My sunflowers are done. My last round of zinnias are all brown mush at this point, And it's a sad day. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that there aren't still things to work on in the garden and that you can work on in your garden, even if you are just getting started. I've actually got three ways to get started on your garden today, if you've got the time for it, or this weekend if you don't, um, even if you don't have anything ready yet. Like this is your first foray into the garden. You saw this episode pop up on your podcast player and you thought, I don't have a garden, but I want to know what to do. So I'm going to listen anyways. Then I have three ideas for you for this month. But if you do have a garden going, here are a couple of things to think about for this month. They are just a few. Uh, and the first is mulch your gardens. You've heard me talk about it ad nauseum. You'll still hear me talk about it. If you have any bare or exposed soil at this point because things have died in your first frost or you harvested everything or you're just tidying up the garden, make sure you get some mulch on there. That's probably the most beneficial thing that you can do for the garden at any point in this year, but especially right now in the fall. And mulch, if you haven't used it before, mulch is any sort of organic material that you put on top of your garden space. It can be a raised bed or, you know, your in-ground garden, even your containers can benefit from mulch. And you can use things like wood chips, grass clippings, leaves, cardboard. I have some cardboard mulch over my gar garlic bed right now. You can even use half-finished compost if that's what you got, which means it's not quite ready for planting directly in it, but you can put it on top of the bed to continue breaking down in place. Whatever you use, mulch is going to help to prevent erosion from the rainfall that's coming. It can help prevent temperature swings from the freezes that are coming because it insulates the soil a little bit. So of course, it'll still freeze and thaw you know, over the season, but it'll slightly dampen those big swings. Um, which is especially important if you have any perennials in your garden, maybe you plant. Mulch is also going to be great for preventing weed growth during the wintertime because weeds do not take the winter off, unlike our food and flower crops. And lastly, it can help 
build organic matter in the soil because it's going to continue to decompose and break down, basically compost in place. And so by the time the winter's over, you'll have a new layer of fresh organic matter in your soil that's going to help with all of your spring crops come your next garden season. And if you aren't sure what to use for mulch or you want some ideas of where to get it, back in episode 12, I list off some of my favorite organic uh, mulch sources that are oftentimes free to get. And I say organic mulch because there's inorganic mulch, which can be things like uh, landscape cloth, or some people use black plastic, especially in the spring to help warm up the soil to make it possible to plant just a little bit sooner. And and things like this, they can have their place, uh, especially for farmers. They like to use landscape cloth. I don't because I just don't need it on my scale. It is, you know, there are some drawbacks to where they are going to break down eventually and you might start finding little pieces of plastic or the landscape cloth in your garden and in your soil. So just be aware of that. And obviously this is an episode about the pros and cons of landscape cloth. Just something to keep in mind. Um, And I don't want anybody to think I'm on a high horse of no plastic because obviously I use plastic in my garden and seed starting trays and whatnot. But I have in the past found little bits of plastic floating around from some landscape cloth that I had used, and it's pretty obnoxious. And so I really don't use it anymore. Um, I tend to use much more of wood chips and even cardboard. And while I'm on that note, I planted out my garlic a couple of weeks ago, and I'm out of wood chips, and I haven't raked up any leaves yet. But I happen to have a bunch of boxes sitting around, so I just flattened them and put them over my garlic bed. And this is working great as a mulch. It's preventing any weeds from sprouting while I'm waiting for the garlic to get going. It's already starting to break down, but because the garlic can't penetrate through the cardboard yet, it's not broken down enough, I am keeping an eye on it to see if anything is poking through the soil. So if you do use cardboard, it's totally, it's great to use as a mulch. Just keep an eye out for whatever you have planted if it's going to start sprouting anytime soon. If you're planting flower bulbs, then you really don't need to because those are going to take a while. I mean, heck, they're going to take months before they start to come through the soil. So you can be pretty hands off with that. But if you put out something like onion sets or, you know, earlier in the season, maybe you planted out some veggies and you mulch them with cardboard for that, you would definitely need to keep an eye out and take the cardboard off once things start to sprout. Otherwise, they're just going to get smushed under the weight of the cardboard and they won't be able to get through. So Be selective on what you use cardboard for, for mulch, but it can be very useful. All right, moving off of the mulch talk, another thing you can do is clean up your tools. I mentioned this in, I believe it was episode 25 of what to do to get your garden winter ready. And I mentioned draining your hoses. And I had to laugh at myself because even though I mentioned it to you guys to drain your hoses before your frost or your freezes come, I forgot to do it myself. So this is a perfect example of monkey see or not do as I say, not as I do. There we go. And uh, and my hoses froze. They are since drained. They're put away. Um, the ones that I don't need. We still keep a couple out. But draining your hoses is great because it gets the the water out that's going to expand as it freezes and it can potentially crack your hoses. Once isn't going to do any damage. My hoses were fine. But if it happens again and again over the winter, it's really going to um, affect the integrity of the hose and you'll have to either repair it or replace it come springtime. And the same goes for your tools like your rakes and shovels and pitchforks. 
And I do have to put a little asterisk here because I honestly never, ever do this. This is where all the gardening magazines are going to recommend that you clean and sharpen and oil and store them in sand, you know, to keep them ready for next spring. And I've never once in my life sharpened or oiled my tools. I know, time for my dirty confession here. Uh, I just don't. It just doesn't make it onto my to-do list. But that doesn't mean it can't be on yours, especially if you like to have a nice new shiny shovel to use in the springtime. Um, But you can oil them with something like a mineral oil. You can either sharpen them yourselves or take them to get sharpened, especially for something like if you know you're going to be cutting out a new garden bed in the springtime, having a nice sharp shovel can help. Um, at the, I would say, okay, fine. I clean them. I get the, you know, the dirt clumps off of my pitchfork and, you know, things like that. My pruners. Yes, indeed. My pruners are a little bit rusty and I should clean them. I've actually got a tutorial on how to disassemble your pruners saved on my YouTube channel, um, that I have sworn to myself. I will do this winter because some of them are looking pretty rusty. So like I said, I don't adhere to this one terribly closely at all, but it's a great recommendation to clean up all your tools, get them put away, stored so that nothing is rusting or rotting over the winter, especially if you have wooden handles on your shovels and rakes and whatnot. Now, if you're listening to this episode and you don't have a garden yet and you're thinking, well, this is all well and good but I don't have anything to mulch yet or anything to clean up, or I don't even have a tool to have to deal with right now. Here are three things that you can do this month to either start your very first garden or, you know, maybe your summer garden fizzled and you just don't have anything really going to clean up right now. You can, you can plant spring flower bulbs like tulips and crocus and daffodils, hyacinth, these are going to be planted now before the the coolest period of weather in the winter. And they're going to start growing in the springtime, the early, early springtime. I would even say late winter and then bloom in the early spring. It might seem weird to plant things right now and let them be you know, exposed to the cold and the freeze and everything, but this is actually what they need. Without the proper chilling time, flower bulbs won't grow. They, they, rely on these temperature signals to activate basically and start growing. So if you really want some early spring flowers, planting bulbs now is a great way to do that. If you have a container garden or, you know, you're one of my listeners that is just now getting started and you don't have a garden space at all and you're not ready to build a bed, you can grow bulbs in containers. And there's actually a really cool way of planting bulbs in a large pot that's layering different types of flower bulbs so that you have almost a succession of blooms as these different bulbs flower because some are earlier like crocus is usually one of the first blooms in the springtime because it it just blooms earlier whereas the tulips are slightly later so you can layer at different planting depths and I'll put a a link in the show notes that will give you a nice graphic of how to do this. But basically you put your, I believe it's the daffodils go the lowest in the pot and then you cover them with a little bit of dirt and then you put some tulip bulbs, cover them with a little bit of dirt and then something smaller like a hyacinth or the crocus. And it's almost like a lasagna where there are different tiers of bulbs planted in the same pot that are going to sprout and bloom at different times. It's a cool way to do it. It's a great way to use space. 
you have to really pack things in and it might look intimidating that you're overcrowding this pot, but because of the nature of the bulbs, they're going to be just fine. So if this sounds intriguing to you, go into your podcast uh, show notes, scroll down, and there will be a link for a visual of exactly how to do this. The second idea for planting out now, if you are just starting your garden or need a little reboot here, is to plant out garlic or shallots or onion sets. And I mentioned this again in a previous episode, I believe it was 25, where this is the prime time for planting garlic in particular because it needs this period of cooler weather, just like the flower bulbs I mentioned. And then it's going to start growing and bulbing out next year. Same goes for shallots. And if you can find onion sets now, you can plant them. You don't want to plant onion seeds right now. Those are going to be planted out next year in late winter. But if you can find some sets, which are basically like little mini onions that have been pre-grown and then pulled out and dried, and you can plant them in your garden and they're going to resume their growth. I just got some onion sets from Johnny's that I'm going to put out and they should bulb in the spring and be harvestable by June timeframe, which is earlier than the onions will be ready. The ones that I'm going to plant come February, March timeframe. So if you have the space, if you want to get something going, garlic, onions, and shallots are going to be a great option that are primarily hands-off once you plant them and will give you an earlier harvest than your spring planted onions. And it's a little bit tricky to find onion sets. I can, I'll do the same thing actually, and I'll link the onions that I got from Johnny's in the show notes because it was, I couldn't find onion sets from too many places because it's just not as common to fall plant onions, at least not in the Northwest where I'm at. Um, but in any case, very easy to grow. You'll get a nice harvest next year with very minimal work. And then lastly, a great way to still be growing something in November, especially if you have short days where things are not really doing much outside is to grow microgreens. And I have infrequently mentioned these on the show because during the summer, honestly, I don't grow them too much. I'm too busy in the outdoors garden. But microgreens are a very easy, very simple and affordable way to get started on an indoor garden where you don't need to worry about grow lights or heat mats or you know anything extra like that. All you need are some seeds, obviously, some soil or something like a cocoa core or even peat moss works and a tray to put it in. And you can buy trays or you can reuse trays. Plastic clamshells work really well for this, like, you know, the kind that you get strawberries in or lettuce from the store. And microgreens are sprouted, immature plants that you harvest small intentionally. So think of a little kale plant or a little lettuce plant. Instead of letting it get full size and harvesting it, you let it grow until it's maybe two to three inches tall, and then you cut it. And it's done after that. It won't regrow um, unless you you know missed cutting a few stems, then they'll continue to go. But it's a, a one and done crop that grows quickly over a week or two and you eat it young. It's very nutritious. It's a wonderful way to get something fresh in the wintertime. And it's also a great way for beginners and kids to get started with growing something no matter what time of year it is. I particularly like starting with black oil sunflower seeds and pea seeds. They're great for beginners. They're large, easy to handle. They sprout really well. They grow strongly. Um, you can also find mixes for smaller greens like lettuce or 
basil or even um, some people grow nasturtiums as microgreens. And so really, no matter what flavor profile you're looking for, what use you're looking for, you can find a mix or a single strain of seeds. So you can get, you know, like a, a spicy salad mix or just buy a lettuce, like a certain lettuce, um, microgreen seeds, depending on what you're looking for. You can get them at a really great price at True Leaf Market. Um, other regular seed companies like Johnny's, they have them too. True Leaf, I like because they have some really cool collections and mixes. And so if you are just getting started, they actually, this is how I got into it. They have a kit that you can buy that comes with the trays I mentioned, the soil, and a few seed packets to get you started. They've got one that is a soil-based kit and one that's a hydroponic kit, meaning you don't use soil, you just use water and a growing medium. I haven't tried that one, can't speak to it, but the soil-based one was really handy to get started and not really think about what are all these pieces that I need to to get going. All right, and the last thing I want to put on this list for November is think about this garden that just finished up. Basically reflect on how your season went. And this is not the first time I've mentioned this, but I bring it up again because just this weekend I was chatting with another grower. She's actually a farmer. And we were talking about how important it is to keep records. And in her case, it was particularly important because she's a farmer. And so she needs to have certain crops ready to go at certain times and needs to be able to look back at the year before and say, you know, customers were asking for zucchini in June. And if I want to have zucchini next June for them, I need to plant it by this and this date. Or the turnips I planted out did really well in this location. And so I'm going to make a note of it. You know, little notes like that that are going to improve your garden from year to year. So even if you are a home gardener or a farmer or somewhere in between, keeping records is so easy to not do, but so beneficial to do. And so I mention it again, you can record things like your frost date. I have my calendar marked with October 28th because while it's fresh in my mind right now, by next fall, I'm probably going to have forgotten exactly when the frost came. Was it mid-October? Was it late October? I don't exactly remember. And it's going to affect when I plant out things next year. And so I'm, I'm certain to write it down so that I can benefit from that information with my next planting. You can also make note of things like, I didn't see any bees this year, or I had poor pollination on my tomatoes, or such and such crop performed really well, I want to make sure I grow it next year. Or man, I had too many radishes for my family's use, next year I'll plant fewer. All these little tweaks that are going to improve your garden from year to year, write them down. As I always say, you think you're going to remember them. I promise you, you won't because our brain gets filled up with everything else. And so if you need somewhere to record it, I do have a printable planner. I'll link it in the show notes. It's as a PDF so you can print selected pages or you can print multiple copies of your pages to record your thoughts and reflections and, and lessons from this year and then print it again for next year to start planning out your planting dates, your spacing, your seed wish list, all those things for next year. So it's kind of like a renewable resource for planning your garden from year to year and recording what just happened in the season that ended. So the garden to-do list for November is honestly pretty minimal. 
A lot of it carries over from October as far as cleaning up or leaving dead plants behind to decompose. Or if you've still got some flower heads that haven't been killed off by the frost yet, leave them behind for the birds um, because they're always going to appreciate a seed head to come and snack on. The last thing I want to mention on this episode is that this coming Saturday in the U.S. is Veterans Day. And so I'm releasing a special bonus episode. Obviously, I usually release episodes on Tuesdays, but my husband just retired from a 20-year career in the U.S. Marine Corps. And that's not something I share a whole lot about on the show. But for this particular holiday, I want to share some thoughts on how gardening has helped me specifically as a military spouse over the years. So if you are in a similar situation as a mill spouse, or maybe you're a service member yourself, first of all, thank you for your service, both the spouse and the service member, because it's an incredible job. It's an incredible duty. And it has personally touched our lives for a very long time. And secondly, Have a listen this weekend because maybe you will find some tidbits that help. Maybe you'll get inspired to start a garden even while you're moving around your duty stations. And maybe you'll meet another gardener at your duty station. So tune in this Saturday. You'll get your regular notification. And uh, if I don't hear hear from you before then, then happy Veterans Day. Um, And don't forget that the last link I'll have for you in the show notes is the Companion Planting Toolkit where you will be able to start planning out next year's garden, take some of those lessons that you've learned from this year and put them to use for next year using companion planting and making sure that you're able to fit all of your flowers, veggies, and herbs into your garden space, get some beautiful cut flowers, increase your pollinators, attract beneficial insects, grow your veggies because those are all important, and use this toolkit to also get some, some pairings that are a little bit tailored to your situation, such as I've got a partial shade garden, or I have a sunny garden, or I can use vertical gardening because I'm short on space. I'll give you ideas for all of those in the companion planting toolkit linked in the show notes. Lots of resources there this week. I will talk to you on Saturday and then obviously again next Tuesday for the regular episode. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.